We wish you an eco-Christmas, we wish you an eco-Christmas, we wish you an eco-Christmas and a waste-free new year. Yes, it's that time of year again, and this month on the Devon Wildlife Warden podcast, I'm talking Christmas. How can you have plenty of festive fun without leaving a carbon footprint, nay, bomb crater, in your wake? What gifts can you give to inspire your friends and family to support their local wildlife? And what considerations can you make for wildlife while buying food for the festive season? I'll be talking about that, and I'll also be bringing you a summary of what the first year of the Wildlife Warden Scheme has achieved. And be warned, the list is pretty long, which is certainly no bad thing. The Devon Wildlife Warden Scheme is run by Action on Climate in Teambridge, or ACT for short. The idea is to have wardens in every parish or ward who can help their wildlife in a wide variety of ways. I am the Wildlife Warden for Abbots Kurzweil, but we have many others and are always looking for more. We do all sorts of things, from promoting wildlife gardening and recording local wildlife sightings, to working with clubs and schools and commenting on local planning applications and much, much more. It's all about each warden doing what they feel is necessary in their area and which lies within their comfort zone. ACT's Wildlife Warden Scheme would not be possible without the generous assistance of our donors, details of whom can be found in the episode notes. Many thanks to them all. A couple of weeks ago, I received an email from Flavio, which was sent out to all of our wildlife wardens. It covered what has been achieved in the first year of the Teambridge Wildlife Warden Scheme, and quite frankly, I was impressed. The summary is fairly long, but I think it's worth sharing as much of it as I can. That way, if you're interested in becoming a wildlife warden too, it will give you a pretty good idea of what training is on offer, what resources we have, and the sorts of projects we've been up to. When the scheme was started in 2020, the aim was to provide basic introductory training to at least 50 wildlife wardens across Teambridge. Well, that target was smashed. In total, 81 wardens joined the scheme and were trained up, mainly via Zoom, but with some in-person sessions as well. We now have wildlife wardens in 32 out of the 52 parishes and wards in Teambridge, as well as more volunteers who are on the list for the next session. In total, 17 introductory sessions have been organised, so huge credit should go to Audrey and Flavio for that. In addition to the basic introductory training sessions, other training has included nine sessions on species identification, such as wildflower and aquatic invertebrate sessions, as well as a bat walk, There have been four wildflower seed collecting sessions where wildlife wardens also learned about species identification. A total of 17 wildlife wardens attended these sessions, meaning that lots of parishes now have a plentiful supply of locally sourced wildflower seed to sow. Spread the love and all that. There have been three leading volunteers training sessions on Zoom to a total of 17 wardens so that they can safely lead volunteer groups of their own. I personally attended this one and have benefited from it by setting up a couple of sessions in my own local parish. There has also been a tree and wildflower nursery training session as well as a fungi day for wildlife wardens. 
Audrey and Flavio invited wildlife wardens to a planning meeting, which covered many aspects of the planning process and also shared the best ways that we can protect and create wildlife habitats. There have been two Zoom talks organised for wildlife wardens. The first speaker was Jess Smallcombe from the Devon Biodiversity Records Centre, who clearly explained how wildlife wardens can submit wildlife records. The second talk was given by Kath Jeffs from the RSPB, who spoke about the success of their Cyril Bunting recovery project, and positive stories like this can really help us to stay motivated to keep doing the work we're doing. There have been three farm walks which were offered to wildlife wardens, as well as a few other select groups. The first two walks were at Ambios's Lower Sharpham Farm, where 14 wardens learnt how they're managing their land through rewilding. The third walk was at Dean House Farm in Stocking Tynehead, where five wildlife wardens, plus 12 farmers and two people from the NFU, three councillors and three locals, learnt how the farmer Peter French manages his land under environmental stewardship schemes. Now, he has succeeded in increasing numbers of species, such as the Cyril Bunting, on his land, while still making a profit from farming. And when you consider how much of Devon is farmland, this kind of thinking is just so crucial for our future. Well done, Peter. There was also a walk organised with Chudley Wild, who are part of the Wildlife Wardens scheme, so that other wildlife wardens could gain inspiration from what they have achieved in their parish. In addition to this, a field trip was run at Audrey Compton's farm for a group of 60 environmental science A-level students from Exeter College, Now, one of our wildlife wardens actually teaches the course, so it's another great link being forged there. In addition to all this wonderful training, a resource area has been created on the Wildlife Warden website, so if you're interested in that, feel free to take a look, and I will pop a link in the episode notes. A Facebook group was also created for wildlife wardens, and we have access there, as well as via email, to share ideas and speak to each other about useful events and resources. And again, keeping us connected in that way is really important for keeping the momentum of the scheme going. Across Teambridge, we have been involved in plenty of events aimed at raising public awareness of the issues our wildlife face. This included taking part in the Great Big Green Week, as well as local fairs and events. For example, in Abbots Kurzweil, we had a stand at the village Apple Day, and Bug Life, Butterfly Conservation and Devon Wildlife Trust were brilliant charities to contact for help because they all happily sent us flyers and leaflets to hand out. So there's no need to reinvent the wheel to spread good knowledge and practice. You just have to ask the right people. The RSPB website was also really useful as we sourced an Apple bird feeder activity from there to do with the younger visitors to our stand. And that went down an absolute storm. As mentioned earlier, we have also been sharing good practice with other groups outside of Teambridge so that they can set up similar schemes. And this really is where the value of grassroots movements are. It's great to see the enthusiasm for our natural world on the increase and spreading. Perhaps there is hope for our future after all. Some of our members have been responding to planning applications to help minimise the impact of development on our local wildlife, something really important to look at as habitats become more and more fragmented. There was also a response written to the dredging taking place in Lime Bay as it was having a particular impact on Timworth, where sludge was washing up. 
The scheme has also been involved in habitat creation and management. At least 16 wildlife sites have been created or are being managed by wildlife wardens, and this includes small plots of land as well as larger sites of up to 15 acres in size. Some wildlife wardens also manage their own private land, which isn't included. Now, wildlife wardens have organised numerous volunteer work party days to manage these habitats and get local people involved, which is awesome. In addition to this, wildlife wardens from across six parishes have been involved in tree planting projects, three hedgerows have been planted on council-owned land and farmland, and there are plans to plant more in the near future. At least seven sites, and that doesn't include road verges, are being managed by wildlife wardens to increase the diversity and abundance of wildflowers. And wildlife wardens from across four parishes are managing their road verges for wildflowers or are currently in discussion with their local council about doing this. An orchard is being planted in Ashton and wildlife wardens from other parishes have planted fruit trees too and wildlife wardens in Chudley designed, created and planted a large wildlife pond in a private garden for free. No small amount of work, I'm sure you will agree, but hugely beneficial for local wildlife. The scheme has also had a hand in community engagement, with wildlife wardens from at least three separate parishes having given advice to landowners on how to manage their land better for wildlife. It would be great to hear how this is panning out and whether the landowners have taken heed of this advice. Wildlife wardens from two separate parishes have run wildlife gardening schemes and competitions, and one of these schemes has involved over 80 households. Stunning work! Many wildlife wardens have encouraged wildlife gardening in other ways, such as writing articles for parish magazines and giving away free seed, or by organising seed swap events or libraries in their local spaces. Wildlife wardens from at least three parishes are tackling litter by raising awareness, organising litter picks and or reporting fly tipping. And wildlife wardens from across three parishes have worked on projects to help wildlife on roads, which included organising toad patrols and putting up signs such as ghost hedgehogs, which for the uninitiated are plaques along road verges to mark the locations of hedgehog casualties to encourage motorists to think about the consequences of driving too fast. In two parishes, wildlife wardens are working with their local councils to design nature trails, which again will be great for public engagement. Wildlife wardens from at least two parishes have distributed posters with information about wildlife, wildlife gardening and wildlife identification, and we even have a podcast! <clears throat> anyway, wildlife wardens from a couple of other parishes have also been working on audio-related community engagement projects. Some of our guys have also been gathering data and protecting habitats and wildlife, and wildlife wardens from two parishes have been involved in writing biodiversity audits for their local councils. At least 10 churchyards and other sites have been surveyed and species records submitted, and there has been at least one successful application for a tree protection order by a wildlife warden. Wildlife wardens have responded to numerous government consultations, for example the recent beaver consultation and various online public petitions, as well as at least 10 wildlife wardens, are surveying the water quality of rivers and streams for the West Country Rivers Trust. That's the West Country CSI project I've mentioned a few times in previous podcasts. 
Many of our wildlife wardens are actively involved in other citizen science projects too, and I'll include a list of the ones we've been encouraged to look at via a link in the episode notes. Now, I think you'll agree that this is quite the list of achievements for the first year of a scheme, and huge congratulations should go to all of those who've been involved, with a special mention to Audrey and Flavio for the work they've done coordinating the scheme, setting up lots of training and events, and also being on hand to answer questions and support us. We really do appreciate it. And in addition to that, a special thanks should also go to all of our sponsors and financial supporters, without whom the scheme simply wouldn't exist. So huge round of applause for all of those guys. So what's next? Well, the main aim for the second year of the scheme is to have groups of at least three wildlife wardens in every parish and Newton Abbott ward in Teambridge. Unsurprisingly, it has been found that wildlife wardens can achieve much more when they work as part of a group. So if you're listening to this, and you think you'd like to get involved, don't be put off if there is already a wildlife warden presence in your area. Trust me, they'd still welcome your support. If you're not sure you have the time or inclination to volunteer to be a wildlife warden yourself, why not promote the scheme by sharing it on your local social media pages, by telling friends and family members about it, or even by putting up a notice in your workplace. Any help to recruit new volunteers is valuable to us. There will be more ongoing training and events to support wildlife wardens too, so even if you don't feel qualified to help out, you can still very much get involved and learn as you go. Every pair of hands really does help. There is also an intention to support wildlife wardens to find ways of connecting habitats. This is an important thing to look at and something I'd very much like to do more of myself here in Abbotsker as well too. As we move into the future and hopefully leave COVID behind, there might even be a Wildlife Warden social event or two. Here's hoping. Moving on to Christmas. Yes, it might be November, but the shops are rammed with food, gifts and decorations just waiting to be used, or possibly never used and simply discarded. They tempt us with their glittering golds, silvers and reds. They entice us with their beautiful design, pretty packaging and social media hype. But how can we do our best to minimise our impact at Christmas time? And in doing so, do our part to support the habitats and ecosystems, not just here in Teambridge, Devon or England, but across the world. Christmas is celebrated globally and a crazy amount of waste is created. It's estimated by DEFRA that around 50,000 trees are cut down each year just to make Christmas wrapping paper, and 6 million rolls of sticky tape are sold in the UK alone in the months leading up to Christmas. In fact, just here in the UK, there is an additional 3 million tonnes of waste produced at Christmas in comparison to the rest of the year. That's about 100 million bin bags being sent to landfill, which all contributes to pollution and global warming, never mind mentioning all of the natural resources and materials that we use to create these items in the first place. So if you want to minimise your footprint without being a Scrooge, listen on for some ideas on how you can do this. Let's start with gifts. 
Buying gifts can be a challenge at the best of times, but don't panic. Making sure you give planet-friendly presents isn't as tough as you might think, and I'm going to give you some tips to help you get started. When out shopping, the number one piece of advice is to stop and think before buying. Look out for gifts that come with as little packaging as possible, or at least some that can be recycled. And if you aren't sure if your recipient will like it, don't buy it. Better to give a gift card so they can get something they want, rather than a gift that might end up in the bin or re-gift pile, which is at least a more eco-friendly option. If you can get away with second-hand gifts, then great. And I'm not suggesting that you give damaged, dirty or out-of-date items, but rather that you consider whether this is an option. For example, my mother-in-law wants a chessboard for Christmas. I looked online for new ones and wasn't overly impressed at what I looked at in my budget range. But then a lovely old chess table came up on Facebook for a tenner. It needed rubbing back and refinishing, but I don't mind a bit of work, so I grabbed it. I spent a few hours sanding it back and rubbing a bit of Danish oil into it, polished up the little brass feet with some brasso, and now the monster-in-law has a lovely piece of furniture for Christmas that my son is very much looking forward to using when he goes round, as she has promised to teach him how to play chess. Many charity shops have items that are unused too. I got my son a kitchen science kit that was still sealed as new for three quid. To look at it, you would not know that it was second-hand, so don't assume that second-hand gifts will make you look like a miser. There are lovely items to be had if you take the time to browse your local shops or online buying platforms. You could even do a charity shop secret Santa. The random and pre-loved items available could make for a fun gift-giving session, and there are so many eclectic items in these places. Another option might be to create a zero-waste kit. You could include a portable cup, a biodegradable lunchbox, or some wax food wraps. Take a look at eco-charity websites who have all these sorts of items for sale at this time of year. Or how about wildlife-friendly gift-giving? Bird feeders and bird baths, bug hotels, plants, packs of spring bulbs, new gardening gloves, tools or items are all great options for gifts too. Or perhaps you could make something yourself. You can choose your own packaging and the personal effort makes a gift priceless. How about cooking up some fudge or making your own slow gin? Or buy an experience or membership, gifts that can keep on giving for the whole year. Or you could adopt an animal and make a charitable donation on someone else's behalf. Books are also a good option and again could be purchased second hand. Even big giants like Amazon, which don't always have the best reputation around Christmas time, can offer buying options which often include pre-owned books which is certainly better for the planet than buying new. The same goes for DVDs and video games. The pre-owned market is huge and worth considering. It will be kinder on your pocket as well as the planet. Win-win. Another option for a thoughtful gift might be to repair something on behalf of a loved one. Perhaps they have a piece of jewellery or a watch in the cupboard which is broken or in need of a new strap or battery or a clean... How about sneaking said item out and presenting it on Christmas Day in a box all renovated and sparkling? It will show that you thought about that person and made more effort than simply grabbing a gift off their wish list. So why not think about those sorts of things too? And if all else fails, why not just try searching online for sustainable gifts? 
There are so many companies now selling homemade or zero waste or ethically sourced gifts that there really is a lot of options, even if you don't have the time to scour around charity shops or make your own things. And when you do go to the shops, don't forget to take your bags with you. Do all you can to avoid additional plastic bag waste at the checkout, and it's another step towards a more sustainable Christmas. Moving on to wrapping. I'm not going to suggest that you forego the wrapping part of Christmas, because opening gifts is a large part of what it's all about for many people, but perhaps you can stop and think before you purchase paper. Go for recyclable stuff where you can, and if you can afford an extra couple of quid, get some paper tape. This is much easier to recycle than traditional plastic tape and the shiny plastic-backed papers. If you can keep paper and reuse it, then great, but in houses with excitable kids, this is unlikely to happen, as they tear paper excitedly off presents, and you really don't want to be standing over everyone telling them to open presents carefully so you can keep the paper. Don't be that person. But you can be a person who chooses a better, more forward-thinking way of wrapping gifts. Could you try out tape-free wrapping by using ribbons? Could you use reusable gift bags? Now, I often keep Amazon gift bags I get sent and use them again and again. They're a kind of synthetic fabric material and they're really resilient. So despite not being made from particularly sustainable materials, they are at least very much reusable and very rarely get thrown away. Certainly in our household anyway. If you have suitable fabric, try using this for wrapping. Pillowcases work well or squares of pretty fabric can be good too but having tried this method myself, I'm aware that fabric can also be an expensive way to wrap things and is not sustainable if you're buying new fabric and especially if the recipient just throws it away. So that's worth considering too. Gift bags or boxes um, are another option. Gift bags are really easy to open. They flat pack to use again. Um, just don't put loads of tape over the top, which might cause them to tear as they get opened and you should get a good few uses out of them. And if you're open to using old cards as gift tags, it's a little bit of extra work, but it's another way you can be more sustainable when wrapping your Christmas gifts this year. Moving on to decorations. Most of us like to make our homes look festive throughout December, so here are a few ideas for doing it in an eco-friendly way. The most eco-friendly tree is the tree you already have. So if you have an artificial tree in the loft or garage already and it's in good enough shape, use it. If you need to buy a tree this year, consider a real locally grown tree. You'll be supporting local business and often there are collection and disposal services available that will do something relatively eco-friendly with your tree once you've finished with it. Another option is to consider buying a potted tree. Now, my brother does this. They keep it in a pot, get it out every Christmas, and in January return it into the garden, still in its own pot, but sort of dug into the soil, where it can happily continue to grow and give them a bigger tree next year. Now, they obviously sometimes increase the pot size, and, you know, as they grow and their family grows, the tree grows with them, which is really quite sweet. 
Or you could get creative and make your own Christmas tree out of local materials. I think I've mentioned before we've got a little bit of woods attached to our house here and we've got loads of hazel coppice. So a couple of years ago I cut a bunch of pieces of varying lengths, tied them together with some string um, and sort of hang them from the wall in a Christmas tree shape. And once you've got some lights and some decorations on there, it does look rather lovely and um, is a great way to save space as well if you don't have a large room for a Christmas tree. And as for house and tree decorations, again, the ones you have already are the most eco-friendly ones. But if you need new, why not either try making some or try to buy some that are made of sustainable materials? Last year, I got some lovely paper garlands from Poundland. You don't need to break the bank to be sustainable. Or could you try cutting up old magazines into strips and making paper chains? Kids often enjoy this activity and it's super simple to do. And if you stick with paper tape or biodegradable glue, it's totally recyclable too. And finally, let's think about food. We waste a lot of food throughout the year, but figures reach a high over Christmas. Minimise your impact by doing things like not overbuying. Christmas is an expensive enough time of year as it is for many of us, and we can probably all save a few quid by not having so much food that things start going out of date and ending up in the bin unopened. Or cooking so much that you can never eat it all, so loads of it ends up in the bin. Plan your meals out and figure out how much to buy and cook. And make the most of leftovers. In our house, it's certainly all about the Christmas sandwiches on Boxing Day. Turkey, cranberry, stuffing and brie toasty, anyone? Mmm, don't mind if I do. And remember that no matter how we look at it, meat has a big carbon footprint. So either try to buy less, or at least make sure you eat the meat you do get. If you can afford organic, then that will also help in the veg steaks as well as on the meat side of things. And if you can go for locally produced food, that's great too. So that just about brings us to the end of my tips for a sustainable Christmas. And I think the take home message really is just to stop and think. Do we need this? Is this sustainable? Is there a better option? If we all started to do that, just imagine how much more we could cut down on waste this Christmas. And before I sign off for this podcast, I would just like to let you know that there will not be a December episode. I intend to take a bit of time off to chill out with my family during the Christmas break, but I will be back in the new year and already have lots of ideas for future episodes. And I would like to add to that, that if you have an idea for something we could talk about, if you'd be up for being interviewed about a scheme or a project that you're working on, I would love to hear from you. So feel free to get in touch. And in the meantime, I wish you all a very happy, healthy and eco-conscious Christmas and New Year. This podcast was narrated and produced by me, Emily Marbay, with music by Upbeat Whistle.